We come to a portion of scripture today that, uh, whose central topic has been the source of much debate among Christians over centuries. And even so, even though it has been a, a section of God's word that has uh, been talked about in many ways and different people have emphasized different aspects of the truths that are found in God's word we're looking at today, it's, it's a passage that we cannot afford uh, to misunderstand because it talks about the relationship between our faith in God or our belief in God and our obedience to that God. Faith and works. How do these two things fit together? Which one comes before the other one. It's sort of like the question that's often asked, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I'm sure we could spend a good bit of time debating that this morning, but that's not why we've come today. That's not why we've gathered today. We've gathered today to, to know God and to grow in Christ and to go out into the world with the gospel of Christ. And for us to accomplish that, for us to do that, we have got to dwell on God's word today and the truths that are found therein. And specifically, we want to know what God is saying in this word and saying to us in our passage of scripture for today, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And I believe that the central message of this passage of Scripture, the central truth of, of God's Word found here, can be summarized this way. The saving faith is faith that works. Saving faith is faith that works. But don't just take my word for it. As always, let's look at God's Word. Let's see what it says what it means for us today. So James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Let's read together. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So in this passage of Scripture, we've looked at twice already this morning, James begins with this rhetorical question. What good is it if someone has faith, but has no deeds to back up their faith, has no works of obedience, no actions that support the claims that they say they have. Can such faith save them? And the implied answer is no. No. What James is saying here is that faith that does not result in works is useless. Faith that does not result in works is useless. It is lifeless. It is worthless. It is dead. According to God's word, those that profess faith in Christ as Lord, as Savior, turning to Him for salvation, trusting in Him for for life, 
for forgiveness of sins undergo a process of transformation where they're not left the same, where their attitude, where their actions, where their thoughts begin to change and to be conformed into the image of Christ. As we seek to understand the relationship in God's Word between faith and deeds or faith and works, we, we must be humble. We must be clear. We must be thorough, meticulous, because we cannot afford to misunderstand what God's Word says about faith and works and their role in our salvation. After all, eternity is at stake. The way we understand this impacts our status before God, our position before God. It impacts the way we understand salvation, right standing with God and where we'll be and what we'll be doing for all of eternity. So we need to understand what God's Word says about salvation. And so what do we know from Scripture? What do we already know from God's Word about salvation and forgiveness of sins? We know that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 8 and 9. We know clearly from God's word elsewhere that salvation is by the grace of God. Undeserved kindness. It's the gift of God. It's not something that we can do or or say anything to merit or to earn on our own. It's solely the prerogative of God to extend salvation to us. By His grace. We also know in Scripture that this grace is extended to us. This grace comes to us through Jesus. Through Jesus, the Son of God. The the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The one who laid down His life as a sacrifice in your place, in my place, on the cross. so, So that we could be forgiven of sin. Taking the penalty for sin that you and I deserve. Not Him. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The grace of God, Christ, came to us, died in our place, taking the full penalty that we deserve, not because we earned it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin, the payment of sin, penalty of sin is death. But the gift of God or the free gift of God, grace, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. So there's no other name given to mankind under heaven by which we must be saved, referring to the name of Jesus, the name of Christ. So we know from God's word that salvation is by grace, and this grace is extended to us through Christ. We also know thirdly from God's word that we receive that gift through faith. We receive it through faith. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Salvation is extended to us based on the grace of God displayed through Christ. And our salvation is dependent on how we respond to Christ. Whether or not we place our faith in Jesus Christ. So that being said, that being the case, we know these things are true from God's word. What is, what is James doing making such a big deal about works? Has he misunderstood the grace of God? Is he barking up the wrong tree here, so to speak? And the answer is no. He hasn't misunderstood the grace of God. Rather, he is addressing professing believers, professing Christians who have misunderstood faith. Who have misunderstood what it means to to place their faith in Christ and to turn to Christ for Forgiveness of sins, for salvation, for new life. They haven't recognized the importance of a faith that works. A faith that is lived out in everyday life. And to illustrate this point, this point, James gives this hypothetical Scenario, verses 15 and 16. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. One of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? So a man comes to, comes to you in a desperate situation, literally naked, without clothes, without food to eat, and the response that's given here is, is a common response, a, a common farewell greeting in that day. Go in peace. Sort of like us saying good luck to you. I hope it goes okay. I hope, I hope things get worked out for you. And then James asks, what good is that? What good does that do? And I think he has two things in mind, firstly, I think that he's communicating that faith without action is physically useless to others. Faith without action, without deeds, without obedience is physically useless to others. Verbal well wishes without any, any action to follow them up, to support what it is one says they believe is no good. It's no good to the person in need. What does it profit them? Nothing. It doesn't profit them. It's useless to others. And also, I think James is communicating here that faith without action is spiritually useless before God. Faith without action is spiritually useless before God. He's already said in verse 14 or implied to this question in verse 14 that faith without deeds is not saving faith. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And then again in verse 17, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In other words, faith that is not supported in the way one lives is useless. Worthless, not true 
biblical faith and it will not be saving faith on the day of judgment. Because saving faith is faith that works. Now James is not distinguishing here. He's not contrasting in this passage as it might be easy to assume. He's not contrasting between faith and works. Rather, he's he's contrasting two types of faith. He's contrasting faith that, that has no deeds, that has no actions, that has no works of righteousness, that has no obedience to God that supports it, and faith that is characterized by obedience to God. Lord, he wants to make sure that his listeners recognize that these, of these two different types of faith, only one is, is living faith. Only one is biblical faith. Only one is true faith. Only one is genuine faith. And that's faith in, in Christ that affects the way that we live on a day-to-day basis. And in order to explain this further, he, he gives clarification in the verses that follow by declaring what this faith is not. So look back at James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. But someone will say, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 19 is one of those verses that any teacher or preacher of the Bible, any mom or dad seeking to disciple their children, any any believer communicating the gospel to a lost person, or any man, woman, boy or girl who believes that they will spend eternity with the Lord in heaven when they die. This verse ought to cause all of us to stop and ponder for a minute and to seek clarification and the examination of what God is saying through His Word here because we dare not give ourselves or anyone else a false assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. There's tremendous implications for how we share the gospel. James says, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. This is a common, a common Jewish statement, a common Jewish profession of faith. It's the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. True statement. Something that's true for us as Christians as well. We believe in one God. God that is characterized three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but one God nonetheless. Important declaration of what we believe. Important declaration of our faith. And James says here, even the demons, messengers of Satan, believe that. They know that to be true. And they shudder in fear in response to it. So they believe it and even have some sort of response to to the truth about God. Perhaps there's irony here. but Perhaps James is implying that some of these that claim to have faith that really don't have faith, that have dead faith, 
These demons have more, more of a response to who God is than, than they do. So what, what is being communicated here? No doubt we, we see here in Scripture that genuine faith, biblical faith, true faith, is more than simply mental assent. It's more than just mentally acknowledging that something is true. It's more than just acceptance of a particular theological position. You see here that right doctrine is insufficient for salvation. Right doctrine, right belief, right theology is insufficient on its own for salvation. None of us are forgiven before our Maker simply based on how much we know. Only forgiven by the grace of God displayed to Christ and a genuine response to Jesus Christ. Genuine faith must move beyond the intellect to affect the will. Genuine living faith in Christ, living faith in the God of Scripture, must move from the head to the heart. It's often been said, don't miss heaven by 18 inches, distance between your head and your heart. Living faith affects the heart. So what is what does this faith look like? What is this living, genuine, true faith that is characterized by works, by deeds? What does it look like? And we see a picture of it in the remainder of this passage where James gives us two Old Testament illustrations that practice this type of faith. Beginning in verse 20. You foolish person, you empty person, you depraved person, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Verse 25, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. There's a lot here in these verses of Scripture. We could find a lot of truth that's packed into these seven verses. But I think we could summarize it this way. We could summarize it by saying that faith and works are inseparable for the people of God. Faith and works are inseparable for the people of God. You know, some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Chips and salsa, hot fudge brownie with vanilla ice cream on top, coffee and donuts, Arkansas Razorback football and winning. (laughs) Just kidding, we know that's not true. (laughs) Kentucky and basketball. I'm venturing into sports, I probably shouldn't do that. Pen and paper, that's a good one to, to end on, but some things work together. They complete each other. They're inseparable. 
And this is true of living faith in the living God and obedience to that very same God. Faith and works are inseparable for the people of God. And then James gives these these two examples, these two Old Testament examples. So let's look at them quickly. The first is Abraham. Abraham, the father of a great nation, the one that God called and set apart, promised to bless and to to bless all peoples of the earth through his descendants. James is quoting here from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. It reads this way. It says, Abram believed the Lord. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him. He credited it to him. God credited it to him. I think I'm putting an extra syllable in there. But um, credited it to him as a righteousness. So based off his belief, his faith in God, God said that he was righteous. But then if you turn the, the pages over to the right in Genesis to chapter 22, you you read the rest of the story. And you know that story, in Genesis chapter 22, that God tested Abraham. He called Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac, his, his son that, that he had promised Abraham and Sarah in their old age and had delivered on that promise well beyond their childbearing years. And now he was asking them, Sacrifice the son. Asking Abraham, sacrifice your son as a burnt offering before me. So Abraham does it. He doesn't like it. But his trust is in God. And so when God says do something, he takes action and packs up his things and he goes and climbs up the mountain to sacrifice his son. And in Genesis chapter 22... Abraham is ready to sacrifice Isaac. And in verse 11, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And so now in James chapter 2, referring to To that incident, that act of obedience. In James chapter 2, verse 22, we read, You see that his faith and his actions, Abraham's faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. The scripture is not teaching here that, that he was saved before God, that he was forgiven before God because of what he did. No, he was forgiven solely by the blood of Christ. Scripture is saying that what he did validated, confirmed, fulfilled his faith in the Lord. That it proved it to be genuine faith. And in verse 25, in the same way, Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Very different sort of character mentioned here. Abraham, father of a great nation, father of the nation of Israel, the one through whom God would bless all nations of of the earth. And Rahab, a foreigner, a woman, 
prostitute, but yet forgiven before God in the exact same way that Abraham was. Because even so, she believed in the God of Israel, we read in Scripture. She believed in the Lord God that she had heard about. And because she believed, she provided lodging to the spies that the Lord God had sent to Jericho. She believed in God. And she acted on her belief in God, proving her faith to be true. Two different characters to illustrate the importance of a faith that works. Saving faith is faith that works. So how can we respond to the truths of God's word today from this passage? Three things. First, they recognize the inadequacy of historical faith. Recognize the inadequacy of historical faith. Living faith, biblical faith, saving faith. It's more than just believing certain historical events. Even if they are true historical events. Even if they are the biblical historical events. Saving faith is more than bare belief that God exists. It's more than bare belief that that even Jesus existed. Even that he died and was rose again. Saving faith involves trusting in that one. Personally trusting and responding to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And for this reason, let's pray that the Lord would give all of us a trusting faith. To pray that the Lord would give all of us a trusting faith. A faith that desires to praise and to exalt and to magnify and to glorify and to trust and obey and to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Trusting faith responds to the person and work of Jesus Christ by pledging to be one of His, by seeking to follow Him as Lord. Saving faith is trusting faith. It's faith that follows and works are the fruit of that faith. And not works that we do on our own, but works that Christ does in and through us as He transforms us by His Spirit, conforming us more and more into His likeness as His children. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Life, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. So let's recognize the inadequacy of a historical faith. Let's pray that the Lord would give all of us a trusting faith. And lastly, let's submit to Jesus as the Lord today. Let's submit to Jesus as the Lord today. Saving faith is faith that works because it recognizes that Jesus is the master. 
that he is Lord, that he is worthy of following. James described himself opening verse of this letter as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, even the demons and unbelievers perhaps believe in God, but they don't willingly submit to God. They don't personally want to follow Him as Lord, as Master, and as Savior. But as followers of Christ, let's willingly submit by living as servants of God, followers of Jesus Christ, who truly believe that He is who He says He is, and respond with a life of obedience. Because saving faith is faith that works. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for our time in it today. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us through Jesus Christ. We thank you for salvation through Christ. But we do thank you that our salvation is not dependent on what we do. But Lord, we also thank you that by your grace, when we respond to you in faith, you begin a work of transformation on each of us. So, Lord, transform us more and more into your image. Captivate our hearts by your great love for us that we might faithfully follow after you as your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.